Welcome to the Real Hill Podcast, a ministry of Bunker Hill Christian Church in Bluff City, Tennessee. Our goal is to seek, serve, and grow to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Join us weekly for a behind-the-scenes look at what is going on at the Hill and how you can be a part of what God is doing. I'm your host, Sarah B. And I'm Grant Foster, lead minister here at Bunker Hill. And I really hope you will journey with us as we try to create a place where church comes home. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week. Yesterday, we kicked off our new sermon series here at the Hill. It's called A Well-Rounded Love. So if you missed it, be sure to check out our Facebook page for the replay and can add your comments and questions there. Also, you can reach out to us if you have any questions. Um, and wow, I got to say, Grant, I felt like you were speaking directly to me yesterday with this message. <laughs> it's, you know, it's one of those things I try to tell everybody um, I and with these messages. Um, it's God preaching to me just as much as I'm preaching it out. So <laughs> if it helps at all, praise God. That's awesome. Absolutely. So. And I think there was so much good stuff. Um, but what I wanted to dive into, I think a lot of people were interested in, at least people I spoke to after the message. Uh, the Five Love Languages book. It's been pretty yeah. much a perennial success in the last 20 years. People have been talking about it. So, yeah, yeah I mean, for those who aren't familiar, you know, Dr. Jer- Gary Chapman, he describes the five main ways that people feel loved and how they express their love to others. And I, when I first read it as a college student, before I got married, I was like, wow, this makes so much sense. Like so many things clicked about why there's you know tension sometimes if you're doing things to show love and people don't see it that way and vice versa so it can sometimes feel like we're speaking different languages you know i'm sure you've probably found that to be true Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I mentioned in the sermon yesterday, uh, amazing respect to uh, Dr. Chapman and uh, putting this together. And I think it sparked so many great conversations and it made people kind of dive down a little deeper than maybe they had in the past with what they thought was love or, um, you know, and, and it helped in a lot of relationships because people were able to express uh, why or why they didn't feel love in a lot of ways. Um, but one of the unforeseen consequences consequences that we saw there was, uh, you know, and, and again, it wasn't uh, the author's fault. It wasn't the publishing company's fault or the, the counselors that used it or the pastors that used it. It wasn't the, in any way uh, something that was planned. But as we tend to do as humans, what we saw was people start looking at not how they could love their spouse better, but instead they started setting expectations of what they needed to see to feel loved. And if they didn't do that, a lot of times it was used almost as like, you know, a a weapon or something to shoot back Mm -hmm. to say, well, you're not doing this for me, but I'm doing all of this for you. And so that was kind of one of those unforeseen consequences in a sense of what came out of such a great book and such a great idea. Yeah. And I think it works. I mean, it really convicted me. And I feel like um, once somebody knows my love language and I, and I don't feel like they're speaking it, it's like, well, you, I felt, and this is incorrect, but I felt like, well, you have a responsibility if you know what makes me feel sure. loved and you don't do it, you know? And it was very yeah. me focused rather than the opposite. Um, sure. And knowing that, you know, as a believer, God loves me fully. I'm not going to find that full, complete love outside of my relationship with God. So any, sure. you know, human relationship that's present is a huge blessing and, you know, but it shouldn't make me angry or frustrated necessarily if, you know, I shouldn't be just focusing on what I want to get out of the love languages. And I've had to learn a few different ones that have been difficult. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. 
yeah and i think it really sets up the five love languages kind of the series on how we're going to get a more well-rounded love not just a one-sided view of what that should look like sure sure yeah So it's generally agreed that our childhood experiences, you know, set the stage for how we experience and perceive love. I think we all agree on that. (laughs) So I'm sure, you know, this could stir up a lot of emotions in people who maybe didn't have a solid example of love or Christ's love when they were growing up. So what hope does the Bible offer to someone who's hesitant to accept God's definition of love? Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, I I think that that's so key for us to understand that if we really think back through our life and the way we define words and think about, um, you know, the examples that we connect with those definitions, um, we'll see it in a lot of different things, not just love. But I think love is one of those overarching things that is is something we're all looking for a definition for. Mm -hmm. And we're looking for a great example of, but it is hard, um, you know, even from uh, the standpoint of uh, talking about the church and Christ. And, you know, for a Christian, we use the foundational truth of the Bible and that, you know, when that says this is what love is, that, you know, God is love, as we talked about yesterday, um, or we talk about his example of what love is, you know, for us, that's that's a starting point. But for uh, those that may look at that and, and say, well, that's not necessarily foundational for me, or I, I don't necessarily see that as uh, a definition of love. The question is, like you said, you know, where do you find hope? But I think I think if you really kind of step back from it, even even in that context, you know, whether you see the Bible as truth or not, which I, you know, of course, personally do, um, there's something that's still offered in it. You know, in, in comparison to any other religion, um, you, you can look through each uh, religion that's out there. And when you look at the deity or the philosophy of that religion, it's based with the idea that love is based um, not so much on others. Uh, but really based on ourself. Uh, love in all other religions and, and even philosophies, in a sense, comes back uh, to the betterment of oneself. You know, even if you love others, uh, you, you still are doing so in a lot of the other uh, beliefs or thoughts in a way that is uh, about raising your standard or making you more godlike or uh, taking you to a higher level. You know, so it's still about self. Uh, but if you take that uh, and, and you look kind of at the limited knowledge of love and we put that to uh, maybe like an example of marriage, you know, um, if you are only loving your spouse so that you're loved in return, then you're still selfishly focused on what you get out of it, mm. you know, which is is kind of what we talk about with, you know, the five love languages. That's kind of what was happening. It was still, what do I get out of this? If I give you this, what do I get out of it? And so if you step back and you, and you look at other religions and other philosophies that kind of circle around the idea of love, it's still ultimately about what you're doing to better yourself. But in Christianity, I think it's based in the idea uh, that you love others so that others are bettered, so yeah. that they have a chance to be bettered in whatever uh, they're developing in or uh, wherever Christ is leading them for the believer. And when we think about that, uh, it, it's what true love really looks like. Uh, even, even to us, uh, you know, it, it's, we may have other ideas, but true love is really uh, when uh, you are expressing love or you're receiving love with no expectation of anything in return. You know, um, another example is this. I, I like to think about it this way. You know, um, like you said, we don't all have great 
examples or parental experiences. But here's here's the idea, even for ourselves. You know, when we're babies, hopefully we've had parents uh, that even at their own uh, at 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 their own risk, will deny themselves things so that we can have a better existence, you know, even if that's just to survive. Um, and that's that's what true love looks like is denial of oneself for something greater. Now, I fully understand that we do not all, unfortunately, have that perfect example, and we don't have that. But that's what true love looks like is a full denial of self for one's betterment. Um, and I, and I guess I'll, I'll close, uh, this question kind of with this scripture. I think about it this way, um, in Romans five verses six through eight, it says this, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us. And it, what that scripture tells me is, it, you know, it's pointing out the fact that you, you may not die for somebody that you would even define as righteous. But all of us, maybe at some point, if a person is a really good person or we define them as being good, we might be willing to say, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll step in front of that. I'll, I'll take that risk. I'll take that denial of self. But what this tells us is no matter where we are in the spectrum, even when we literally disliked God, when we were his enemies, he said, because I love you so much for your betterment, I'm willing to give myself, to deny myself, uh, as it says in Hebrews, uh, you know, that he denied uh, that joy and he sought the cross. You know, he wow. chose the cross and, and took on its shame, even though that was a terrible and awful thing. He denied himself that so that we might uh, feel love and experience what true love is. Wow. So. And I think the other great thing, I mean, that makes so much sense. And I think the encouraging thing is even if we haven't expressed love that way, we've had a more selfish approach without even realizing it, or we, you know, modeled to us was a selfish approach. That's the beauty of it. Each day we can make that decision. Even in our current relationships, if we failed in a certain way, we can start with love. Love can start over and you can start fresh and you can't necessarily erase the past, but you can make a choice in those interactions going forward to look at it that way. And I think that's really where the transformation comes when you're obedient to what you know you should be doing. When God has laid out, this is the kind of love you need to have and you trust in his strength. Because I think a lot of this unconditional, it's not natural for humans to love unconditionally. It's just not. So that's where we can't be prideful and say, oh, I I do that already. I'm the best. We have to humble ourselves and understand that like the fact that we're able to even a, a smidgen of that love unconditionally, it's because I believe that God enables us to do it with the Holy Spirit. So for me, yeah. rather than feel guilty or, you know, overboard with that, it's, it's fresh to remember that I have a new chance to start loving people in my life that God brings in my path. I, I have a chance to start fresh with that. And I think yeah. that that gave me hope yesterday um, when you put it that way. And um, that's the wonderful thing about God. He doesn't give up on us. Every day is a new chance for that. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And so I think as adults, you know, listening to this, uh, I'm not a parent, but I do have children in my life. So what can we do as parents and and mentors uh, to help Mm. guide our children to the true love that God offers us so that we can be a good model of that to them? 
Yeah. And, and, you know, um, I will say this with um, some sort of disclaimer and say it is always hard to speak for, you know, how everybody should raise their child and, 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 you know, what the interaction should be. So, you know, I think it's just um, something at, in my experience and, and um, what I've been lucky enough to experience, I guess, um, with mentors in my life and my parents um, and, and seeing their love for me and, and uh, just seeing others that have loved. I think that the thing that speaks volumes um, to to any child is um, first and foremost that example. And, and, you know, we talked about that not everybody has a great example. And first, I want to say to parents and even to mentors or, or grandparents or aunts and uncles, you know, um, don't don't live in the shame of your failures. <laughs> when you make a mistake, when you're not that perfect example, then um, don't sit there and, and and just heap that on yourself, you know, and, and stay in that moment. Instead, when you when you mess up, when you fail to love in the way that God would love us unconditionally and um, denial of self, when we fail to do that, use that moment when when you might even be fresh in the failure to go to your child and express, you know, hey, I'm I've messed up. This is wrong of me. Um, I've made this mistake. And I want you to know that I love you. And, and that uh, when I say I love you, I, I, I still make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And um, I, so teaching them the importance of being able to realize that, you know, love also sometimes in, in our human existence, we make mistakes with it. But I think that if we just go on and act like we've done nothing wrong, I think that's where the damage happens a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one place. I would say the other way that we, we mentor it is by (laughs) our interactions with other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's incredibly important. And we've seen in study after study that um, so many kids learn from what they see. And the way that you treat your spouse, the way that you treat your friends, the way you talk about other people at church, you know, <laughs> behind their back, in front of their face, the, the way you have those interactions, that will speak volumes to what they will define as love. Right. And so I think the biggest thing we can do is um, to, to think about that example. And then, of course, uh, I, I would end by saying, I think we can pray every day that God gives us the direction and the wisdom of uh, himself and his spirit to uh, be that example of love and to say the right things and to mentor our children the best. Because on our own, uh, you know, on our own will, on our own desires, we're, we're probably not going to get it right. Uh, but his spirit will definitely guide us. Um, but that's that's my opinion on it at, at, from a mentor's perspective. I mean, um, you know, I, I have kids. Um, you said, you know, from your perspective, it's a little different. But what would you say uh, that you see as, as such an important thing to do in the way that we show that? Yeah, I actually I appreciate that. And um, I do spend a lot of time with uh people my age that have children and I love to see them interact and you know the things they pick up on and their kids are just so special so the parents that have really inspired me it's parents that they want to get to know what how their kids respond to love so what I mean by that is they wanted to help their discover what their own child's love language is so if their kid is always hanging on them hugging them perhaps it's physical touch and that they need that kind of support if the daddy daddy come play with me come watch me build something maybe it's quality time and I think you know it's going to change you know people change but it's really great to love your kid in a way that they naturally gravitate towards and feel loved and you know not just buying them gifts if that means nothing to them 
Um, mm. But I think if, and we can do that with all the relationships, not just children, but I think it's cool when you have a conversation with a child and kind of ask what they think. And uh, a lot of times parents have told me that they have amazing insights from their seven-year-old or their five-year-old, like just mm. simple questions, simple perspectives that if, you know, there, it's always, sometimes it's a two-way thing. You're learning things from your kids and they're different than you. And that's valuable yeah. too. So I would think, you know, listening, asking questions um, and giving kids space to, to, you know, share where they're coming from. And I really love that. I love when a, a child's able to express how they're feeling and um, what their things are, what their thoughts are. And I think that's how we can, as a community, even if we're not, you know, blood relatives, we can really have them trust that adults care about what they think and want to help them. Yeah. And I, I love what you said about, you know, listening to them and, and just kind of picking up on those cues. Um, I mean, that's a little bit of a con conviction for me because now I feel like I need to go home and uh, my daughter's working on, uh, you know, she wants to do a, a 3D uh, uh, hot glue uh, unicorn. So I know what I've got to do this evening <laughs> yeah. is, is do a, a, a hot glue 3D unicorn, whatever that means. I guess Absolutely. we'll find out. <laughs> I'm so. excited. You'll have to post a picture of that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. and, yep. and that's awesome. And I know your kids, and I think it's just wonderful how um, outgoing they are and they, they respect adults. And I think teaching children to talk to adults, that's one thing I wanted to say really yeah. helped. My parents are great about that. They, they talk to us on a level that, you know, they, they expected us to be able to say hello to adults and treat them respectfully and not just hide behind mom, but, you know, say hello, Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so. And that really helped us engage in conversations. And um, so I think there's a lot of things we can do to model that even from a young age. So, you know, I'm excited. Our church has a lot of kids. We've seen with uh, Jill and AJ, they're, uh, the children coming up and coming into church and sitting with us oh, on yeah. Sundays. Like how awesome yeah. has that been? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That front pew, front two pews was full, full this week. That was, I, that was, a, that's a tough crowd too, to entertain, yeah. uh, you know, young ones that they long. Loved so. it. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. And I think encouraging yeah. kids to sit with us and, you know, be a part of church with us is a great way to have them feel that love uh, too, when they walk in the building. So yeah, I'm just grateful absolutely. for that community. Well, you know, thank you so much. This has been an awesome start to the new series. Um, yeah. I hope that, you know, we'll continue to have good dialogue and, and hear from people like kind of what their thoughts are or questions they sure. have. So thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> absolutely. And thank you again. And um, you know, for everybody that's out there, you know, uh, we want this to be an open dialogue. So uh, please send in your questions to us, uh, whether on Facebook or whatever, you know, we, uh, we, we don't have all the answers, but that's something that we want to do is, is to be able to connect with you better. So. Absolutely. Thank you all so much. And uh, Grant, thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks again. All right. Have a great week, everybody. You've been listening to The Real Hill Podcast. Please visit us online at BunkerHillChristian.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bunker Hill Christian Church. Thanks so much for joining us and be blessed this week.